Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. I do love highlighting different staff. As you can see, um, we have just amazing people that are trying to invest in your students and it's great to get them up here so you guys can get to know them a little bit. And, that, you know, and especially like for Taylor at Norcross, if you have a student at Norcross and you haven't met Taylor, it's great for you to get to know her. You can call her or email her directly if you have questions about that campus or what's going on there. And, uh, you know, our, our goal is that you, to connect you to all of our different residents or, or people like even Jimmy now that you've met him and seen how knowledgeable he is in certain areas. You can say, okay, how can I... Uh, if you have a question, you might feel less intimidated just to pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, I got a question about discipleship or about my child and their placement. Or, and so that's, uh, that's part of our goal. And you can see that, as, as Rip referred to, I am, uh, I'm an old guy, and I have to rely on Taylor and Jimmy for my pop culture stuff as well, because it's too hard to keep up with all this. Did you all even know, like, are you familiar with Instagram and some of these things? Because I, I thought, you know, Jimmy should... Maybe explain what each of them are, because you may not even know. Like, Instagram is basically pictures with a caption, as I understand it. So it's not as complicated as Facebook. And then uh, Snapchat is basically you take a little video, send it to somebody, they watch it, and then it disappears, supposedly, right? Does anything online ever really disappear? But that's the idea. So, uh, And that's why it's so popular with sexting, because you can send somebody something risky, but it disappears supposedly they get one shot to watch it but kids are they're pretty savvy uh, especially if they know somebody's going to send them something risky they'll grab a friend's phone even and film their phone while that's going on and then they can send that out to everybody so anyway that's uh very informative and uh, again I rely on these guys for stuff like that all the time well let me uh jump back into uh the the main teaching today we are going through the price of privilege which is a book by Madeline Levine she was speaking at Chattahoochee High School last week, I believe, uh, or the 22nd. Did anyone in here get to go to that and see that by chance? Okay. You did. Now, what did you think? How was it? She was great. Yeah. You can see why I like her then, probably. Yeah. It's a very uh, uh, interesting, uh, definitely takes uh, the, a lot of the things that we uh, that I I'm a huge proponent of and today we're going to we're going to talk specifically about autonomy again. I know we talked about that last week, but we're going to continue uh to to dive into that and kind of dissect it a little bit today. Uh the idea is uh Madeline Levine is a is she's an author. She's not really coming from a biblical uh perspective, right? She is a secular author. Uh I I have not seen anything in her writing to suggest that she is a Christian. Um but the things that she is pointing out, the truth that she is nailing, and especially hitting it from a psychological, uh, from a counseling perspective, is very uh, relevant to a lot of the things that we're talking about. And all truth, I believe, the biblical worldview that we have, is that all truth belongs to God, right? And so even if a non-Christian discovers truth, it's something we can celebrate, something we can talk about and dissect. And of course, part of my job is to help us bring that back to the Bible as we, as we talk about some of these concepts. Um, and so through Common Grace Insights, we can learn things 
from Madeline Levine. Uh, and again, the, the price of privilege, just so you know, again, if you, if you have, weren't here last, last month, is we're not here to beat up on you if, you if you have means. The money in and of itself is not an evil thing, right? Money is, is celebrated. Uh, having wealth or uh, influence is not considered an evil thing in Scripture. Even you have people like Abraham, Job, Solomon, right? You have some pretty wealthy, influential people. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with that. But the culture of affluence create certain problems that if we're not careful, we can fall into certain pitfalls. And we'll get into that a little more today. Uh, Dr. Levine talked about, and last, last month we talked about this specifically, is how do our kids develop what she calls a healthy sense of self? Okay, and that's a psychological concept that she, you know, I don't know if she came up with it, but that's, it's prominent in the book, that as our kids grow, right, they, they gain so much of who they are from who we are. But at some point, and I think one of the front line of this happening tends to start in junior high specifically. I mean, it's their whole life, but really in junior high, that breaking free and saying, wait, I'm, mom and dad, you say this, but I think this. You know, and they, they kind of start to differentiate from us, develop a sense of who they are, and they need to. And it's proper and it's appropriate for them to branch out and become this other person. Uh, in her book, I found it hard to even define what that is, a sense of self, but I actually was looking at an interview that she did online, and she came up with these three things. Someone asked her, uh, what is a healthy sense of self? And she says, a healthy sense of self is made up of three things. Number one is autonomy. You can be independent and take care of yourself, right? I mean, that's, and that has been a major theme of Parent You for years, right, is work yourself out of a job. How can we invest in our kids so that one day they will be adults who are solid believers who have a Christian world and life view, right? And that is really uh, my main goal. Number two is that, she says, in order for them to develop this healthy sense of self, they need to have connection. Life is better when it is shared, and people who are successful know how to work with other people. They are liked, and they know how to be a part of a team, okay? So connecting to a community and being in community is a part of this development of a sense of self. And then third, she says, confidence you have to be capable of something. And within that, there is an internal home. Now, here she's talking about a psychological, an internal home. You know, she starts to use this language to describe when things are difficult, you have a healthy mind, right? You, you can go to a, a good place within yourself for strength. It's an inner strength. And that's what she's talking about. This internal home is a place where you go, not literally go, but go in your mind, when your independence is shaky and your connection is broken and you don't feel so confident where you can self-soothe in healthy ways, that is her idea of a sense of self, okay? So she defines it a little better uh, for us. Now today, what I want to do is kind of jump into autonomy because I think this is really one of the keys to all of this is our kids being independent and being autonomous. And I think that's hard for us because we've talked about this again before in Parent You. We like control. <laughs> and when our kids are little, control is kind of a big deal. And when they become teenagers, we suddenly realize somewhere along the way that we aren't in control of huge parts of their day and their time. And, and so how do we interact here uh, when this happens? So she kind of goes in in the book and defines autonomy in a, in a much greater sense. So the first one, she says, well, and we talked about this autonomy. Let me just refer again to last week. One of the things that 
it's a great little, and it's just a tiny part of the story of David, right, before he goes to face Goliath, is that David, when, he, when he's talking to, to King Saul, right before he goes to face Goliath, he's saying, I can do this. I can fight this giant. Why can you fight this giant? Well, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. I have had these experiences. I've kept my father's sheep, right? And so he's, he's been put in positions of huge responsibility where he had to take control, where he had a lot of responsibility, he faced danger, he conquered that danger, and he was equipped to do so, okay? And I think this gives us a little bit of that model for us, right? Are we equipping our kids? Are we putting them in positions where they have to make hard choices? Are we allowing them to face danger, okay? Because those are some of, and, and, and danger, you can call it stress, you know, that takes a lot of different forms. I'm not saying let's go downtown and drop your kid off in a rough part of town, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, so, but, but those are the kinds of things. How are we allowing them to deal with some of the, the stresses and strain of life? And then when we allow them, are they equipped? Because you can start to see how you're doing in this area. It's amazing. As, I, as I've been reading this, this last week, just watching my kids, Cammie and I have been discussing this material. We've been going over it. And I'm seeing how much I have miserably failed my own kids in some of these areas. You know, you just think... They're ready. You think they're independent. And then when you put them in those positions or those situations and watch how they react, you know how you're doing in some of these areas. So let's break this down a little bit more. Um, the first one is, is self-efficacy. And Madeline Levine defines this as the belief that we can su- successfully impact our world. Okay? The belief that we can successfully impact our world is self-efficacy. So this is not the actual impact in your world, but just do you believe that you can, okay? And she describes this again. I'm going to quote her. She says, unlike self-esteem, which I think most of us understand, uh, which is concerned with judgments of self-worth, self-efficacy is concerned with judgments of personal capability. While self-efficacy often overlaps with self-esteem, it is not the same thing. And unlike self-esteem, which has very little relation to academic, personal, and interpersonal success, self-efficacy has a strong correlation with positive outcomes for children. When children are high in self-efficacy, they find it easy to act on their own behalf. Okay, so do our kids believe that they have power and ability to act on their own behalf and that they can impact their world? Okay, do they believe that? And where do you find this concept in Scripture? Okay, because again, I'm going to take her truth, and, and I start thinking, that's the way my mind works, is I start seeing this and say, okay, does this jive with Scripture, and where do I see that? And really, you kind of run into this right out of the gate. In Genesis chapter 1, God says, right, let us make man in our image after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, over livestock, over the earth, and over creeping things that creep upon the earth. Genesis, especially Genesis chapter 1 and 2, if you think biblically, the first five books of the Bible uh, were written by who? You guys remember? Pentateuch. Who wrote it? Moses, right? On the plains of Moab, right before they entered into the promised land, he writes Genesis 1. Uh, Well, he writes all of the first five books. But the creation account is so pivotal. And one of the reasons it's so pivotal is he's telling the people of Israel as they've come out, they've been slaves, right, for 400 years. He brings them out of Israel and he says, you need to know who you are. 
Because there's a particular worldview in Egypt, and it says you're a slave, you're worthless, your life is worthless, right? In Egypt, growing up there, there's multiple gods, you don't have any control over your life, you were born a slave, you're born to be a slave, you're nothing. And then he writes Genesis and says, no, actually, you are in the image of God. You are special, you are created special, and I created you to have dominion. I created you to affect all of the earth. Right? All of the earth is actually under you. I created you for that. So right from the very get-go, you have this idea, this concept. And that is part of what we're supposed to be teaching our children, right? That you are special. God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you different from everybody else. He made you different from me, your father, or your mother. You are unique, and you are special. And then we have, uh, right, this passage in Ephesians 2, which most of you are familiar with that says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, okay? These are major truths that we need to communicate to our kids. You, not only are you special, not only were you created for dominion, but God created you with specific works that only you can accomplish, that he made just for you to do. Oh, you're really funny. How is God going to use the fact that you're able to be humorous, like Rip, Rip's incredibly gifted in humor, right? We would all agree that's an amazing gift that he has. And yet he uses that gift to enhance God's kingdom, right? And he's gifted to do that, to build relationships with students because humor breaks down barriers. And that's how he did that. Maybe somebody else, maybe you have a child who's very serious. Okay, well, how is God going to use your seriousness or your uh, the ability to study or your ability to concentrate? I mean, and so part of us is drawing that out and giving them that environment so they can see, hey, I am uniquely special. So we see this within Scripture, that we are unique, and that God has created us with this ability. And so do we believe that? Do we believe that we can impact our world? Now, that you move on from this belief to something that she, that she calls agency. And this was new to me. I'd heard of self-efficacy before. I've heard of self-reliance. But I never really heard of agency. And so, she, again, she's just kind of dissecting this idea of autonomy. And agency is the ability to act in our best interest. Now, self-efficacy refers to beliefs. Okay, we just talked about that. Self-efficacy is the belief that you can. But agency refers to the action. Okay? So together, they make up a sense of personal control. Okay, so agency is when you actually go forward and do it. That is acting in that, in that behalf. Now, let me give you an illustration to kind of hopefully help bring this because it, I know we've thrown out some big terms and defined them and it's a lot of words. Okay, so you have two boys who do poorly on a book report, right? And they, get a, they each get a bad grade. Now, one of them does nothing. I got a bad grade. This is, that's the way it is. The other one goes and talks to his teacher and says, hey, I got a bad grade. Hey, I don't think I deserved it, and let me tell you why. Here's, the, here's what I did. Here's what I think, okay? And, and tell me, you know, can you do something about this grade, okay? Now, you can see there, very obviously in this example, which one of them had the self-efficacy and believed that they could make a difference. The one who went and talked to the teacher, Right? And then he actually had agency by going forward and doing that. Whether anything happens, the, the teacher may not change the grade, right? But the child believes that he can affect a difference. 
okay? And that is this example, this idea of how that works out. Now, how do we as parents of privilege short-circuit that? What is the third option? We go in and talk to the teacher, right? We intervene. Now, as you see, when we do that and intervene on the child's behalf, we have short-circuited the whole process, right? And I think in our intention, we love our kids, we want to protect them, we want to help them. We inadvertently or accidentally or in ignorance, really, do that, right? We move in. I was thinking about movies. How many movies have bullies, right, uh, as a main factor in the movie? And how many times, when when you, when, or maybe you faced a bully as a kid, how many times did we... Do you, do you want to deal with that on your own, right? And how many times do the parents want to come in and help in a situation where there's a bully? And I'm not saying there's not appropriate times. I'm just trying to say even just bullying is a major theme in our culture. It's a major theme in our lives. It's a major theme in media and in movies over the years. I mean, I can think of a dozen movies where kids have faced bullies. And I think of myself facing a bully when I was in junior high. And again, there were no cell phones. There was nothing. I mean, you're crossing the street and there's this guy. And I remember he just like, totally stopped me and my buddy and like shake, shook us down for money and got in our face. And I, you just had to deal with it like right then. Like it was like right there. Nowadays, again, I just put myself in today's technology. If I'd have been in the store and seen that guy across the street, I would have called my mom and been like, hey, that bully's here. Can you come get me? I mean, can you see that happening? And what would you do? Yes, I will get in the car and I will come get you. So we, again, you don't have to deal with the bully. You don't have to figure that out. You can be rescued. And we are the rescuers, right? And we, if we're not careful, are going to rescue our kids all the time. And we rescue them because we love them, but we're really ultimately hurting them by constantly rescuing them, if that makes sense. Um, I love, you know, this idea of agency. Uh, With our own daughter, we have a, a... a nine-year-old daughter, her name's Lexi, and she is my fiercely independent thinker, fiercely independent kid. And she has exper- ex- experienced this agency. I, I, we didn't, I didn't know it was called that until I read it in the book. But recently, uh, Christmas was coming up. She wants a Barbie dream house. And we're like, yeah, those are like super-duper expensive. I just don't know that that's going to happen. So we kind of let her know in uns- no uncertain terms that probably we're not getting a Barbie dream house. And so about... About a week before Christmas, she is, like, going crazy collecting boxes and doing all this stuff and hauling them up to her room. And we're like, what is going on? And she's like, well, I'm not going to get a Barbie dream house for Christmas, so I'm building a Barbie dream house. And she went up there, and she taped those things together, and the first thing she made was a toilet. Now, I don't know why <laughs> that she did that, but that was the most important seat in the house, right? So she does that. Uh, and we ended up actually getting a, a, a used Barbie, Barbie dream house, and she ended up getting that for Christmas, too. So now she's got them side by side, like the homemade one and then the real one. And there's a toilet in the real one, too, which is kind of bizarre to me. But, um, but, but that's agency at work, right? She said, this isn't happening. I'm taking control. I'm going to make this happen, right? I'm going to build my own stinking Barbie dream house. And... I didn't even think, I thought it was really cool at the time, but you think about how that is agency at work even at, at, at a nine-year-old level. We Sometimes, Cammie and I are, are too good at this, and I don't know if it's because of our own parenting laziness, 
Uh, one time she, she told me the story of she was at, at school helping out. We have these things called E-Days here at, at Perimeter, and we got some kids in the school where the parents go teach. And the lesson was on something that had to do with fruit, and Cammie's like giving away all this fruit, and Jace is like starting to cry, and she's like, why are you crying? And she had given his snack away to all the other kids because he packed his own snack. So she had no idea what he had taken to school. And, you know, this is like first grade, and he packs his own snack because we want our kids to be, do your own thing. This is your life. What do you want to take? You know, have some independence, have control, and that's just one of those examples. But we're, we're horrible at this in other regards where our baby, you know, he gets everything. Like our youngest is six, and he pretty much, I, I still tie his shoes. I do, you know, pretty much everything for him uh, because he's the baby. And, and so he's, we're really going to have to work with him uh, <laughs> concerning this, this idea. Um, but you think about, I was thinking about agency with our students and our student ministry. And really, there's some amazing examples. Uh, Y'all may have seen the video that they showed in the main a, a few months back. You know, we've got a couple students who started a ballet uh, to underprivileged kids at summer hour. And so these are high school students that are teaching ballet. That's an example of self-efficacy, right? They thought, hey, I see a problem. What, what are my skills? Oh, I can do something. I can make a difference. I know I have this skill set. I, I can do ballet. So I'm going to go into this school, and I'm going to teach everybody ballet on my own time. And and do that. Okay, that's an, an example, again, of that. And even, I, I didn't really think about Gold Rush, is all of it is about agency and self-efficacy, right? We spend all our time, our students who grow up seeing Gold Rush happen, which is our student-led conference, they see that conference every year, and they go, wow, I can get up on stage and speak. I can get up on stage and lead worship. I can do these things. And they start to believe they can. And then, of course, our job as a staff is to come around them and help equip them to do that, right? Uh, Brian Garland helps out with that every year. You know, I see him sitting here, and he, he invests in those students and telling them, yes, you can. You can organize this, and gives them authority, gives them control, and constantly we're trying to build uh, these factors in our kids. Um, the next thing that she talks about, and I'll try to, try to wrap up just quickly, uh, self-management is, is the other thing. And this, one, this one's even harder to me in some ways because she describes self-management as self-control impulse control, frustration tolerance, and the capacity to delay gratification and the ability to pay attention. All right, let me say that again. Self-control, impulse control, frustration tolerance, and the capacity to delay gratification and the ability to pay attention. Now, if you think about this, a lot of this stuff happens early on in child development, right? And, and depending on what school choice we do and things like that can affect this. I think for homeschooling, at least in the old days, this could be a, a difficult thing. Some of these ideas of self-management, um, because kids who are doing school at home, if they want to go get a drink of water when they're doing school at home, they get a drink of water whenever they want, right? They go to the bathroom whenever they want. Um, and they don't, sometimes don't interact with other kids as often. So some of these skill sets don't have to be. Now, that doesn't mean that happens always just because you're homeschooling. Homeschooling's changed a ton over the years. But we need to keep in mind, even if you make a choice like that, how to, to work against that, okay? I, you know, even some of these things are so easy for us to, uh, to mess up. In, in, in our culture of affluence, it's easy to say, why should my child be frustrated when I can alleviate it? Okay, that is, 
That's the temptation that we have. Um, why should he delay gratification when I can meet that desire right now? I mean, I'll give you an example just from this week. I picked my son up from a, a basketball game, and we were, uh, he was hungry, and so we were heading home. And he's like, can we stop and get something to eat? And immediately, I thought, I have the money, right? I can do this. He's hungry. I can stop and get something to eat. And then I thought, you know what, though? We're, we're 20 minutes from home. No, you can wait. You can wait till we get home. We got all kinds of free food at home. Why should I meet that desire right this second? Like, it's, that's so tempting for us, though. I mean, see, something just as simple as that, to say, no, delay gratification. You can eat when we get home. I don't have to stop and meet that need right this second. But see, when we are affluent and we have the money, most of us are just like, sure, let me hit the drive through And then what happens when they get put in a situation later when they are hungry and the food's not there? Are they pleasant to deal with? No. They haven't developed some of these skills of self-management. Okay? I know this because I'm with your kids, right? I'm I'm with your kids on retreats, and it's not dinner time yet, and... Some kids are just like, what? You know, I've got to eat now, you know? And you're like, no, really, it's okay. You're not going to die. No one's died by not eating in the next 20 minutes. You know, you're going to be fine. In fact, you know, like I, I could make it quite a while without eating, okay? And so how do we how do, we do that? Um, so let me, let me wrap up with this. For the believer, I want to add a little twist here. As, as we put our kids in this position of self-reliance, as we're really trying to say, okay, do you believe that you can interact and change your world? Then go forward and do it, right? Let us not do it for them. Make them go do it. And then developing these different skills, we are not really trying to put them in a position of self-reliance. We're trying to put them in a position of God-reliance. Okay, that's the difference from us that we would say is different from a Christian worldview than from Madeline Levine. Uh, at least in the book, right? We want them, we put them in these positions so that they have to rely on the Lord. That's what we're really going for. Philippians 4.13 uh, says, I can do all things through him who is Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The beginning of this verse is amazing. It says, I can do all things, right? Paul clearly has a healthy sense of self-efficacy. He believes that he can do anything with Christ working in him and through him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, with Christ as the conduit, it's going to happen. Um, you know, there's just so many examples of this in pop culture and in culture that you and I grew up with. If you think about it, this idea of autonomous kids is everywhere. Uh, Tom Sawyer, Right? Huckleberry Finn, just think just of that example. When I say that, what do you think about? I think of Tom Sawyer painting that fence, right? His parents are like, go paint the fence. And then he gets all the kids to do it, and he's, you know, using his ingenuity and he's he's getting things done, but he's he's doing Huckleberry Finn going down the Mississippi River by himself, you know, miles away, running away, living on his own. You know, we think of these adventures, and almost all of our heroes come and they have this strong sense of autonomy and self-efficacy and agency. Um, Even going to nursery rhymes. I mean, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. You would never give your kid a basket of goodies and say, go through the forest to grandmother's house. I mean, we're not going to do that. 
But somebody did that once upon a time, right? Did, did you send Jack to sell the cow and get the beans for Jack and the Beanstalk, right? I mean, he, this is a kid, takes a cow and sells it. We would never, ever let our kids have that kind of, of agency. And yet, it's a part of our nursery rhymes. Uh, you think of pop culture now. You've got the Narnia series. I remember I read those in the sixth grade. And what I was so attracted to was it was kids were leading armies, and, and I, I, I love that. I connected with it because it was kids doing these things. And uh, even Katniss Everdeen, right, in today's Hunger Games, think about her character. If you're familiar with those movies or the books at all, right, she controls, she's the parent, right? She feeds her family. She's the one who saves the day. She's the one. And, and so all of these examples of, of this we'll see in pop culture all the time. And so... Think about it. Hopefully, I've put these thing, ideas in your mind, given you concepts to kind of hang on to. And you'll pro- if you're like me, you're going to see where you fail miserably this week in kids crying or, or having a hard time. Or you're thinking, you won't call the pizza guy, really? I mean, you can do that. That's agency. You order the pizza. I'm not doing it for you. Um, I, I did that. I had a horrible fear of the pizza guy when I was uh, when I was young. I just didn't like talking to strangers. I don't know if I had that strong stranger danger complex or what, but it was it was tough. Um, so we need God's help to do that, and our our job is to put our kids in a position where they are Christ reliant, right? Not just self reliant, but that they see God working through them, through their unique personality, gifts, and abilities to affect their world. Okay. So we're going to, uh, our, our next parent you is, I think, the first weekend in, in March. Um, let me, uh, we've got two in March, by the way, our next two, because March is really long, and once we hit April, you guys know with spring break and all that, it's really hard for us to get together, so, and Easter and everything. So we have actually, a, our next parent you is the first uh, weekend in March, and then the, near the end of March is our... First on the 29th of March will be the next two uh, parent years. Let me pray. And uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, this book. Thank you for the common grace insights that we get from Dr. Levine. And Lord, we just want to see our kids have a healthy sense of who they are, uh, to know that they're created in the image of God, that they uh, are unique, and, uh, and that you made them wonderful and you made them good. And um, not good in, in, a, in a moral sense, but that you've given them gifts and abilities uh, to accomplish your will in this world. Uh, help us to be wise, uh, to, to give our kids uh, agency, Lord, to help them to, to see them interact with the world around them and uh, give us incredible wisdom to do that in an appropriate way and to coach them. Um, forgive us of our sins and our failings, Lord, but they're your kids, and thank you for letting us steward them for a time. And um, may we do that well. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the student ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.